0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Utah Film Pod. My name is Josh Terry, and I'm here with Danny Hatch and welcoming back Mark Larocco. So we got three for the price of whatever, because I it, guess <laughs> a free podcast. So
1: we'll take whatever you give us. I'm not,
0: I didn't think through that phrasing very well. I just, I'm just excited that we got we got this multifaceted conversation to have here today, and and some really, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm excited about most all of it stuff we talk about in the podcast, but this one I've been looking forward to especially. This one this this is our, our Christmas podcast. We're gonna be talking about favorite Christmas movies. Uh, some pretty significant new releases as well. Oh yeah. But we are contractually obligated first to talk about the news. So I guess let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> let's get it done with.
1: <laughs> it's just well I, I think mean, you do want to <laughs> really I think you do want to get this over with because we're we're going back (laughs) to a previous topic that I know you loved so much.
0: Oh, I love all of our topics.
1: (laughs) Well, we talked about a lot of um, films that were um, being made in Utah. I think it was during the summer period, and they were all those you know Christmas Hallmark themed kind of movies. And it's not just Hallmark this time around; it's all the streaming services. They they want everyone to have their eyes glued on you know their platform for hours on end, and I'm definitely guilty of that. But like Hallmark, we have Sister Swap, Peacock, The Housewives of the North Pole, which is what we talked about previously, and uh, Lifetime mm-hmm. has a fiance for Christmas. And I feel like, y- y- you know, like, the names you expect <laughs> where you put it up on the whiteboard and you just interchange all these different words, the very Christmassy kind of things, and then you just oh, build the like plot
0: li- like a madlib.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then you just build your plot <laughs> off of that. That's what <laughs> these feel like. But it is exciting that we're getting all this uh, right now in Utah. And um, if you're like me, I just Christmas season is the time for binging, and sometimes I like watching the same movie ten times, just you know, a little altered each time. So. I'm probably gonna check some of these out and I'll let everyone know.
0: Yes, yes, please, please do that for us (laughs) Um, and then report back so that, uh, you know, so that maybe we don't have to see all of the Hallmark. Oh, you don't have the deep
1: discussion though? Think about like, you know, those themes we can discuss and the character development, you know, just really dig deep into it, dig deep into the true meaning of Christmas.
0: Oh, Danny, you should know by now that I'm a very shallow person.
1: <laughs> That's going to be your excuse.
0: It's all, it's all surface quick takes <laughs> and knee-jerk reactions, and I don't like this because it's this genre, so I'm not even going to pay attention to it. it. I am what I am.
2: I don't know how deeply you could dig into a, a movie like A Christmas Date for Christmas anyway. Or uh, A
0: Christmas Date? or you I mean A Fiance for I Christmas? I don't know. I think I just made one up,
2: but you know what I mean. I think...
0: You know they're pretty interchangeable. They're going to steal
1: that. You got to be careful. Could... That's going to be you know next year's big right. hit.
0: Let's start start working on the script now, Mark. The Christmas Date for it Christmas. That, let's get that cracking. It, starting with the clunky title.
1: And the movie just clunks its whole way through.
0: And it just it just gets yeah. worse from there. Yep. But that but that is some news. And I haven't like I I neglected to to cover a whole lot of news related items when, you know, Danny, when you were off actually being a filmmaker, you know, so. <laughs> So it's probably, it's it's good to have something to report on.
1: Yeah, but, uh, and I mean, the big news stuff that's going to be around the corner is, like, Sundance coming up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, there will be more to cover. I think, you know, not only was there this lull in, you know, the big Hollywood releases, it's just kind of all across the board, right? Yeah. Everyone's in the editing room fixing all these movies up, so, you know. There wasn't much to cover. That's
0: right. No, we're we're definitely getting into a busy time right now. I mean, last last episode we covered a whole bunch of kind of prestige movies, like the 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 Oscar and Golden Globe hopefuls, you know, clamoring for those those statues. Um, but uh, now we're finally kind of getting into more of like the the exciting Hollywood, you know, kind of more more mainstream releases. And uh, I know one of those in particular uh, we considered talking about last time, but we saved until this time because we wanted to make <laughs> sure that. Uh, Danny had a chance to see it, so we could uh, knock it around. But the first one I thought maybe we should talk about is the new Spider-Man movie, uh, No Way Home. Is it No Way Home? I keep getting it confused because it's so close to Far From Home. Yeah, they
1: did the same Hallmark thing, just like, you know, using home and switching it around.
0: Well, yeah, because every single one of his movies has it. Because it's yeah. Homecoming,
1: mm-hmm. right?
2: Far From Home,
0: No Way Home.
2: Yeah. Why? I don't I don't understand. This. Ne- next year it's going to be Spider-Man Home for the Holidays
1: or Home Alone. December. That should have been the new Home with Alone.
2: A <laughs> <laughs> with the fiance. It'll be right.
0: <laughs> home in Home Alone in Brooklyn with the fiance. <laughs> Spider-Man.
2: Spider-Man Home Invasion
0: <laughs> plus yeah. plus Venom equals heart. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no there's a new there's a new Spider-Man movie and uh, I really liked it, and, and this, is, this is coming from a guy who spent the last several months complaining about superhero movies. It was <laughs> nice to have one that I was kind of happy to, happy to see. Uh, this is, uh, you know, it picks up right after, you know, the events of, of Far From Home, right, where he, he kills the Jake Gyllenhaal character, uh, or did he do it? Or I guess the drones did it. That's actually a point of contention in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. But, but basically, this happens after the big, the big showdown in uh, Europe. Uh, where Jonah Jameson has revealed uh, Spider-Man's identity as Peter Parker. And so, so this movie picks up with Peter Parker suddenly overwhelmed with attention and press and negative press because Jameson's trying to paint him as, as this villain and his life is terrible. Uh, he and MJ and Ned, are they're, they're all trying to get into school. They're all trying to get into MIT and they find out that all their associations are getting, are, are complicating their lives. And so, in frustration and desperation, uh, uh, Peter Parker goes to see uh, Doctor Strange and say, "Hey, can you do anything to like, can we go back in time and make it so that nobody ever found out who I was and all this?" And 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 they wind up experimenting with kind of like this memory loss spell to to see if they can just make everybody forget that Peter, because they doesn't have the time stone anymore, right? Because you know all the all the uh, Infinity stones are gone. And long and short of it is that the spell kind of goes wrong and just leads to what I'm thinking of as effectively the live action equivalent of uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse from a couple of years ago that was the animated movie that was also quite good. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the basic setup for it. And, And I... I don't know. It's it's hard to elaborate on much more than that because there are so many fan service Easter egg, you know, happy, not not even just cameos, but just like supporting roles that that tie in previous versions of the character and previous actors and and, and characters and stuff. That you know, I don't I don't really want to dig into it too much, other than to say it's like this this crazy. It's almost it's like a like I said, it's it's like a live action version of Into the Spider Verse crossed with a Spider Man reunion movie.
1: It's a Spider Man mm-hmm. reunion movie.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Like yes. in
1: the way that I've been talking about. In,
0: in the way that is going to make you very very happy, um, Danny specifically. Uh, so so that, that kind of gives it away.
1: Because you know the questions that I have, I'm like, do I want to know the answers sure. or do I want to experience it for myself?
0: And that's, that's, that's why I would err on the side of not saying a whole lot about it, other than just like the basic yeah. premise is that, you know, this this spell... And I mean, if you've watched the trailer, you know what's going on, right? You already kind of have a really strong hints as to who's going to be involved in this. Okay. Um, and so, so there's not really a need to dissect the plot any further, um, other than to say that considering this concept could have been really kind of bad, roll your eyes, corny. It worked out really, really well. And I I really enjoyed it.
2: I, I have a question for you, Josh. So yeah. I read a preview um, probably about a week ago of somebody. I can't remember. It might have even been on CNN.com. But I read a preview of somebody who was worried that, and they hadn't seen the movie yet, but they were so worried that it was all going to be about fan service, mm-hmm. and like it, it, some people just uh, they see a certain character on a screen that maybe they've loved that in the past, or it's nostalgic, or they haven't seen for years, yeah. and it doesn't matter what you do with that character. There are going to be certain fans that are just going to be happy, mm-hmm. and I, I think some people felt that way about the Force Awakens. Like I remember yeah. the cheer that just erupted throughout the whole movie theater when you see Han Solo mm-hmm. for the first time. And, and a lot of people complain, and you, you might have seen all the similarities between episode four and episode seven, that in oh, some yeah. ways, it's almost a remake. No, like, in a lot of ways. <laughs> I, a lot of ways. But anyway, I saw this preview. I read this preview that was a guy was so worried that this new Spider-Man movie was just going to be like sort of empty calorie fan service. I don't think he used that term, but you know what I mean? Like not as much substance or originality, but just... All we have to do is bring back a bunch of actors from the old Spider Man movies. So it sounds like you gave a positive review of it. Like you, you thought it was good and it w- it's, it's worth seeing. And if it's. No, I. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Considering, considering that it could have been just kind of like this corny, hey, let's bring everybody back right. and have a reunion movie. Yeah. Like it, it, it feels much more justified and organic and creative than that. It, it, I mean, there's there's obviously a lot of fan service, mm-hmm. um, but it didn't it didn't feel like a distraction or a problem. Good. Okay. And and it see, it seemed to kind of line up with what was. I don't know. Just the way. I guess I guess like I said, considering that it was so similar to what they just did with Into the Spider Verse,
3: mm-hmm.
0: they're almost always that they're. Already seemed to be a justification for doing the same thing in a live-action format. It didn't feel like just this excuse, yeah. to to bring back Doc Ock, right? You know, and, and so I don't know. I mean, and
3: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, for for one thing, for one thing, they also weren't just recycling the same story, mm-hmm. and so it doesn't have quite the same Force Awakens. Like it's it's definitely a unique story and yeah. and and stuff, but. No, I mean, I, I could see how some people might be a little turned off to it for that reason.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it didn't bother me, and I thought they actually handled it quite well, considering how it could have gone in that situation. Okay,
1: I, I thought it was interesting that you said justification as opposed to, like, you know, something that might be boring and feel unoriginal, like how it just works.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Honestly, and, you know, it could just be because I just saw it 24 hours ago or because <laughs> I've been so let down by movies like The Eternals. But <laughs> I, I would say that No Way Home is the best Marvel product. And I, by that, I mean, including the movies and the, you know, the stream streaming TV shows. Uh, it's the best Marvel product I've seen since Endgame. Wow. I would I would put it right there.
1: OK. But,
0: yeah. Which, unfortunately, is not. That high a standard, but we'll, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to leave it as a compliment. So
3: yeah.
0: So that leaves that, that uh, brings us to the next big movie, um, which I would say is kind of a wide audience pleaser, big one, and that is the remake of the adaptation of the stage play <laughs> West Side Story from Mr. Steven Spielbergo, If you remember the. <laughs> the, the I don't know. I just always ever since that Simpsons episode when Mr. Burns says get me Steven Spielberg like, oh, he's not available. Then get me his Mexican American equivalent. You know, and, and so he like so his when Mr Burns makes a movie and it's by Steven Spielberg. Like, so oh my I always, gosh. I no,
1: mean, now that's gonna be in my head. And that's
0: but that's but that's the Simpsons being inappropriate, so so there we go. Um no. Steven Steven Spielberg's remake of uh, what was it? 1961, I think, is the the movie that, that we all know mm-hmm. and many love, yep. and I certainly, yeah. So it, so it's basically the same plot. It's the sharks and the jets. It's it's Romeo and Juliet kind of transferred into a 1950s setting. It's it's still set in the 1950s, even though it's produced today. Uh, it's still set in that original time frame, uh, and uh, you have you know the two the two love-struck characters who who meet. And fall in love immediately, which is always, you know,
2: so realistic. (laughs) Well, it's a, it's a, it's based on Romeo and Juliet, right? Yeah.
1: Right. Oh yeah. Which,
0: which I think is one of the most classically misinterpreted stories ever. Uh Because it seems like every version of Romeo and Juliet wants to make it this big romantic thing. And it's, it's no, this is a tragedy. Mm -hmm. And these kids are stupid. Mm-hmm. And this is not right. This is not something to be, yeah. oh, that's so, oh, if only. Yeah. Like, no, they're idiots, you know? I mean, they've known each other for 24 hours, and they're killing themselves. Which, honestly, you know, that so. was,
1: it was so funny when you told me that you thought that this was going to be my top pick for the year. Because, like, I didn't have the heart to tell you. I'm like, I, I don't care for this story. I didn't care for the original. Oh, interesting. Because, okay. like, because okay. of those things. Like, it's just that whole, like, romance. And I... I thought those romance songs were so boring when I watched them in the original and I think they still kind of are, but I think they did a lot more with this one where it just, it really enhanced it. Like, you know, I I felt their romance was a little more believable. I had a really great conversation with my sister who I forced to watch, uh, to watch this so that we could discuss it. Uh She's, she was more into this era of, of musicals and, um, She didn't want to see it because she didn't want to taint um, that uh, memory, that fond memory she had of this musical, and um, she loved it so much, and she said that um, the reordering of the songs is really what helped sell the romance a little more, like it just, it made a little more sense, and um, you kind of root for them, at least a little more than I did with the the original, and... um, um, and it also kind of uh, played more into those bigger themes, because, like you said, um, it's more about the tragedy. And I think, you know, West Side Story, for me at least, it's all about the side characters. It's all about that bigger plot. It's about those struggles. And um, it mm-hmm. really, really um, nailed it in this one. So
0: this is this is why I wanted to talk about it after you'd had a chance to mm-hmm. see it, because I, I mean, one of the things that kind of surprised me, I guess. I am familiar, obviously, I'm familiar with the story because it's an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. Oh,
3: yeah. And
0: because it's it's so much part of kind of our pop culture, you know, world, I found, I, I recognize like half a dozen different songs, even though I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and watched all of West Side Story from front, you know, from beginning to end. Um, so I recognize certain things. Mm-hmm. And and there was there was a lot of familiarity, and I could recognize a lot of Steven Spielberg stuff. Like there were little moments where it's like, oh, that's totally a Spielberg move, right? The way he um, set up the shot, or the you know the blocking, or whatever. Um, but it was it was hard to know for sure whether what I was seeing was just a really great recreation or whether it was this totally new interpretation because i don't remember and i'm not sure that i have seen that original that's why i wanted to get your input danny because you have you have a (laughs) clear memory of both versions so so what what else did you notice that like for for those listening to the podcast who who did see the original and want to know what did spielberg do to it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it sounds like you you think that he improved it
1: well, I mean, especially since I, I went in not really excited about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I definitely think it was an improvement. I, I still don't care for the story. So, like, I'm, I'm not, like, super in love with this movie. But it is a fantastic movie. I, there, there was just a lot added in with, I don't know, just... Y- you spend a little more time in the culture with the characters doing backgrounds um, making more connections, I think. And that was another thing that was pointed out with the reworking, like, um, as a little spoiler, like I feel pretty, uh, was, and instead of that being after the dance, it's kind of later on, once the relationship is a little more developed. Mm. And it also shows these other characters who have their own romance storylines going on, those kind of work in as well. So there's just a lot more depth, I think, in, in that, um, something that was really fun and man i'm trying to figure out how to not sound super nitpicky with this because it is so good i think it's just that's your job i know i know but it was just really hard because like the entire time i'm just thinking of in the heights which i loved and it also Mm -hmm. had that whole um hispanic immigrants in new york sort of story and um and this one they brought back um Rita um, Moreno, who played mm-hmm. um, Anita in the original, and she won an Oscar for that role. And um, she plays Valentina, who's a new character in this. Um, she kind of takes over Doc's role. Um, but it, it was kind of cool because she, she bridges the gap. She's still um, Puerto Rican, but she is more like the mom figure for the Jets. So it shows that, like, maybe there are more similarities here. And, you know, it, it kind of broadened those themes a little bit. But one thing that like was really hard for me is like, she sings um, somewhere, which, which was a really great moment. Again, a little more depth um, this time around. But I was just thinking like, oh, this is reminding me of the grandmother song in In the Heights. And so I, mm. I, I, I think, cause these were both filmed around the same time. So I don't think they were like influencing yeah. one another, but um, I don't know. I just felt like I was kind of re things there. And the cinematography, was amazing. It, it was just so well thought out. Yes. It, it feels like you're going back Absolutely. in time. It doesn't feel like it's a movie made in the 60s because like I was looking at all these um, clips comparing the two and it definitely looks way more staged in the original. Mm. Whereas this one, it, it looks like you're back there in the 60s um, seeing real people. And I thought that yeah. was amazing. But then you have these other moments and <laughs> this is another stupid nitpicky thing. I hate lens flares with a passion. And there were so many in moments where I'm like, I feel like I'm watching a J.J. Abrams film now. And it's like, and that makes me feel like I'm back in 2021. And I don't want to feel like I'm back in 2021. Um, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I'm probably going to cut all the nitpicky comments off. <laughs> I really did. I, 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 wrote, I wrote out a review for this movie. It's on the Utah Film website. Um, because we can't like go into a lot of detail of how I feel about it, but basically what I say in it is like, here are all my requirements for what makes a great movie musical. This knocked it out of the park with every single one of them, especially with just that style and the acting. Mm-hmm. I hope all of them win Oscars. I want there to be multiple supporting actor Oscars as an exception for this movie because they all deserve it. Um, but just, oh, it, it was it, it is very, very good. It's just that whole idea of, I, I don't care about that romance. But, yeah, I don't no, know. It's,
0: it's, no, I think, I think that's, that's, a, that's a really interesting take on it, right? Is that yeah. even though the core foundation of it isn't something you're really crazy about, you still really enjoy the way that they've interpreted and put together. And because I, I feel the same way. And, and like uh-huh. I say, I'm saying this as somebody who's not into musicals. I, I, I thought the cinematography was fantastic. I I thought the characters were very you know interesting and and well performed, well acted. Um, I I I know I nominated um, the Anita character, the the actress who played Anita is one of my best supporting. Oh. Ariana Debo. Oh yeah. And then. Is that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. She's really good. Um, I thought thought she did. She she really just Definitely kind of jumps out at that. you. Um, but yeah. then the uh the actress who plays Maria also, you know there 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 are a lot of. And, and I don't know. If this is going to turn into a backhanded compliment, but <laughs> West Side Story is good enough that I could appreciate how good it was, in spite of not really being into musicals.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And as a unintended side effect, it reinforced how bad Cyrano was, <laughs> which I saw just a few days later. And and. So, so Cyrano, just really quickly, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on this one. Uh, the, the latest version, because there are many versions
3: okay.
0: of the uh, Cyrano de Bergerac story. You know, the, the character who, uh, you know, great wordsmith, but he has like this big nose, and so he he can't win the attention of the you know his his the love of his life Roxanne. And uh, I mean, the the version was Steve Martin from about thirty some years ago. Called Roxanne, you know, I remember seeing that it was really good. Uh, this new version is a musical and it stars Peter Dinklage and I was really intrigued to see that for that reason because I thought, oh Peter Dinklage is kind of a cool actor. And so instead of the the nose it's gonna be his, his small stature that is gonna be the thing that, you know, is causes his insecurity. And and honestly there are a lot of elements of the of the movie that are just fine and his acting is, is quite good. But the music, my goodness is so bad Mm -hmm. and just the the disconnect between the lyrics and the melody just in terms of syllables and and just they just don't match it doesn't measure up which just seems really especially tragic because the whole point of the Cyrano story is that he's this incredible you know it's like the words on his in his letters are single-handedly winning over Roxanne's heart and then you hear these songs that are just not measuring up Um, like I said, I don't want to go into a whole lot of depth on it, um, but seeing that in the wake of West Side Story mm-hmm. just made it that much more obvious how, how, how strong West Side Story is and how inferior this new Cyrano is. Um, and I typically don't bother with this a whole lot, but I am completely befuddled because when I've checked, Cyrano has this huge, high Rotten Tomatoes rating. And I just, I don't get it. I don't get it, but I'm right and they're wrong. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. So you're saying like all the music is kind of meh then? Because what I was... It's
0: so, yeah, it's so milquetoast. Okay. It's just, it it seems like the amateur that doesn't, you know, and, and the the visuals and the choreography, like everything looks, I mean, it, was, it was filmed in Sicily and it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. The costumes are incredible and there's, the, you know, it just, there's a real great luscious look to it all. And, but all of these good elements make the songs and the singing just stick out like a constant parade of sore thumbs. And it just, it's brutal. Like, I, I don't know.
1: I thought it was a criticism on, like, Peter Dinklage. Because, like, because he wasn't no, much of a singer, but no, it's, like, all of them.
0: No, he's not much of a singer. And his, his performances are, you know, not great. Okay. Singing, you know, with all due respect to the man. But his, the acting is fine. Well, yeah. Like, it is good. You know, I mean, I, I think some people are probably going to wind up nominating him uh, for his acting, uh, but yeah, no, it's just it's just the juxtaposition the, the juxtaposition of it that just makes it so. Oh, okay. Mark, you've got this like befuddled look. Well, on your I face. mean, I I,
2: <laughs> I love the music from West Side Story, so I can imagine any even a mediocre musical following West Side Story would yeah. would just pale in comparison. Like, give up now. So maybe I mean, yeah. you could. What if you read? You could revisit that movie in five years and maybe be like, "Ah, the music's not so bad, or that's a catchy but tune," the you know. Timing, yeah. but Mark, that it can happen. <laughs> Just yeah, There's you'll never no watch way. it again. <laughs> no way, brother. Yeah, no. West Side Story. I mean, that's the original's great. I haven't seen the yeah. new one, so I can't really comment on mm-hmm. it. I, I, I plan yeah. to, but the original is is amazing. I mean, it, it's. Yeah. So and I think good. this one definitely and, stacks uh, up
1: with it. Like, I think this is one that's going to be revisited. Like, I can see this being up in that you know high tier of like best musicals that you know you just have to watch again and again because i mean this is very stunning so you probably will enjoy this one i hope i hope you do
2: I, I think I will. I love Spielberg. I love that he's trying this. He's never done a musical in his fifty years of making movies, but he's always yeah, loved yeah. this movie since he was a kid. He said his parents had the soundtrack, or the tape, or the record, oh or whatever, and he listened to it when he was very young. And mm-hmm. so he tried to actually make the nineteen fifty seven stage version rather than the the sixty one movie version. Um, but it was it was a you know he loved it, and he's never done a musical. He has done musical sequences like the beginning of Temple of Doom. Oh, mm, um, that's right. true. Yeah. yeah, anything goes. Right, anything yeah. goes. And so yeah. he, he, and and uh, so I don't know, I'm excited to see yeah. it. I, I just think it's so cool that he's doing this at 74. And apparently, from all, from all I'm hearing, it's getting a lot of great reviews and uh, probably will get some nominations. I kind of think that the fact that the first one won so many almost might count against it a little bit. Like you already gave mm-hmm. a movie called West Side Story ten Oscars, so I don't know. They could get a bunch of nominations and then not, you know, maybe win one or two. But,
1: They're still gonna get it, um, I yeah, think. I,
2: well, so. and I've
0: heard, I've I've heard the box office hasn't been great yeah. too. So
2: right, which is kind of Somewhere. how it has been ever since pandemic, True. you know. So I, I hear. Yeah. I think it's gonna it's gonna really pick up over Christmas. I, I, I know a bunch of people who want to see it, and so over the holidays it could. But you know, who knows.
0: Okay, so there's one more new release I'd like to talk about this week. Uh, it is not a musical, uh, but it just sings to my heart in so many ways. It's a, it's a, it's a sports movie. It's an underdog movie. In fact, it is actually underdog is actually in the title. American Underdog is the the story of Kurt Warner, uh, who is a former NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, played with the Rams, played with the Cardinals, uh, and. As the legend goes, he used to be a, a grocery stock boy in his in his 20s, and and his life was going nowhere. And then all of a sudden, he's going on to greatness. And this is this is the the biopic, the the heartwarming is going you know coming out on Christmas Day. Um, I enjoyed this one, not like hugely, hugely. It's certainly not my favorite sports movie of all time. It's not one of one of greatest you know underdog movie balls movies of all time. Um, but it basically covers a story of uh roughly the time when when Kurt Warner was coming into college, uh, trying to kind of find his way into the NFL, bounced around, wound up in the arena Football League for a while. Uh, he meets his future wife and kind of goes through that, that whole courtship relationship, uh, fighting a lot of you know against a lot of odds and and finally makes it into the NFL and, and it caps off right around the time hes uh, goes to the Super Bowl for the first time. Uh, so it doesn't cover his entire career. It really just kind of covers his, His his fight to get, you know, get up to the top, Um, but uh, no, is I mean, perfect movie for Christmas. You know, if you're a sports fan, uh, uh, Zachary Levi from Chuck plays uh, plays Kurt Warner. Um, Anna Paquin plays uh, his wife Brenda. So you know, based on a true story, um, just kind of your good good solid sports underdog movie type thing but i would i would say more of a 3 star out of 4 it's you know this is nowhere near rocky territory this is anywhere near you know friday night lights or or any of my favorites but it's uh it's a good one it's a good one you guys if you guys heard anything about this one at all
2: yeah i've heard i've heard similar things to what you've stated and and that it's um... Uh, I, I didn't know Zachary Levi was in it, so that's that's cool. I mean, I'm curious in the in the football scenes, does it appear to be uh, heavily edited, or does it look like he can he can play, like he can throw? And
0: well, then see, I from what I could tell, they they try wherever possible to work in a lot of actual footage from actual games, oh. and and so so there are a lot of like kind of cutaways to broadcasts and stuff like that. Um, there, it didn't seem. Obvious to me that the actor was not up to the task, um, but I can't really say that it really showcased his amazing athleticism either. Mm-hmm. If that answers okay. the question,
2: how, how does it compare to Remember the Titans? <laughs> um, very similar. Mm-hmm. I maybe a little
0: a little less Disney and a little more kind of Christian faith-based oh. because because they do, yeah, I mean, there is definitely a subplot about uh, about Warner's Christian faith, um, but compared to a lot of other movies that you would kind of consider part of that genre, uh, it's a lot more understated and, and I think effective for it because by by not broadcasting the message really, really loud... You kind of get the chance to just absorb it yourself, and so, so I, it, as a as a faith based movie, I like it quite a bit. Uh, as a sports movie, underdog movie, it's good, and you know, it's. I don't know that it's something that I would actually add to my own collection, uh, but I would easily recommend it. I think that you know it's the kind of thing that people would like, and especially kind of you know, this time of year. Like I said, I, I think it's a good, good Christmas movie. Hmm. Well so that does it for the new releases which uh, which you know so we got that stuff out of the way. Let's talk about some Christmas movies. Let's do what it. do you think? Yeah. <laughs> so
1: excited. It.
0: So so we, we we put together a little bit of a game plan here and uh, rather than just kind of let them fly at random, we we tried to do a little bit of preparation and and I think what we've got is that each of us have chosen uh, three different movies uh, three Christmas three different Christmas movies that uh, are our personal favorites for, you know, reasons we're about to here, um, I thought that just for a little, the sake of a little bit of organization, that we could choose kind of like a an old one, and I didn't really define what old was, right? An old one, a newer one, and then kind of a, you know, kind of a curveball choice where. You know, we, we always think of, like, like Die Hard, right? Because people always kind of joke, that, oh, Die Hard, yeah, it's really a Christmas movie because it's set during Christmas, even though it's not really a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, I, and I think for that reason, I think we've disqualified Die Hard because, you know, that's kind of the token example. Um, oh, dang, so I'm
1: hurry. I'm going to have to hurry and find a new one now. No. You're going to have to scramble.
0: <laughs> well, and, and, and we also try to keep in mind that, you know, we, we didn't tell each other our choices beforehand, so this is going to be completely sure. fresh. And, uh, and and so hopefully there's not going to be too much overlap uh, because I had a tough time coming up with backups on this yeah. one. Uh, so, so we'll see how this goes. But
1: you have your takes that you watch like every December?
0: Well, yeah, it was it was easy. I don't know. There are a lot of Christmas movies that I like mm. that I really enjoy. But in terms of picking like the best, there were only a few that really felt like, okay,, yeah, I could justify that. You know, beyond just oh yeah, it's just a good. I mean, and, and we'll we'll talk about this as we go. But there are, there are plenty of movies that I, I like perfectly well, but there's no reason for me to say that is one of my top three or one of my favorite Christmas movies. That's fair. And so so, Danny, how about you? How about you lead us off, and tell us your choice for a favorite old Christmas movie. Yeah. And we'll get this thing rolling.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, well. I feel like deep down in my soul, the old Christmas pick would be a Christmas story, but I'm hoping one of you guys are picking that one. So I'm going to spend a little more time. So if you don't pick that one, you're in trouble. You're fired. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but like something else I was thinking about, and this goes back to my whole love for binging. Um, I really like those stop-motion animation films. Okay. And I think the one that I just I love the most was um, the year without a Santa Claus, there's something about those, those songs, and, like, the heat miser, snow miser thing, and, I don't know, I just, I kind of, I love stop-motion animation, so, like, you know, that was something that I just, I loved, and, also, I just, I think those movies just had a lot of heart, and, you know, as a, as a kid, I just, I, I loved watching all those little stories, and, it just made me really happy.
0: So when when did that one come out? I'm not sure if I've heard of that
1: one. Okay, so this is like the Rankin-Bass stuff. Um, this this is okay, old okay. kind of, yeah.
2: It's I just looked it up. It says 1974.
1: Yeah. yeah okay.
2: 74. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: That's an interesting oh, one. Oh, no,
1: is that a thing for you guys? Like any any cartoon kind of stuff? Well,
2: it, it, when you said that, it makes me think. It's funny. I didn't even consider those. Those kind of movies didn't even cross my mind for this list, but I love like... Uh, you know mm-hmm. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, a few of those those movies that are yeah
1: exactly. Uh,
2: what's the one with Burl Ives? Is that Rudolph? I think that's Rudolph. I was gonna and, say that's probably Rudolph. Yeah, where he's narrating it, and um, but I don't think I've seen this one. This is it's a 51 minute 1974 The Year Without a Santa Claus, and it's uh, yeah, it's Rankin Bass movie. I haven't seen that one, so I'm gonna have to check that one out.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it was more on the. Obscure side. It just happened to be what we had in our DVD collection, so that was the one that I turned <laughs> nice. to a lot. No, yeah.
3: no that's a
0: great. Yeah. I think we're off to a great start. So we've got we've got uh, a unique one that uh, some people might want to check out.
2: Cool. Okay, Mark, you want you want to take the torch? Yeah, I um, when you said. When you said a Christmas story, I mean, I, I actually considered that one uh, because it's, it's a favorite that we, our whole family, we rented out a theater in Provo and went with my parents and my sisters and their families. And <sighs> so remember how during the pandemic, after movie theaters are like, well, we got to make some money. We got to do something to start <laughs> getting people here.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they started showing old movies like, like Jurassic Park and,
3: mm-hmm. and things like
2: that. And, and at Christmas time in December, there are theaters showing a Christmas story. So we just loved it. And I think one of my favorite things about that movie was watching some of my nieces and nephews um, watch that movie, and some of them maybe for the first time and getting to see that in a theater, a 1983 oh, movie. yeah. That's really just about perfect. But, I, I mean, my heart really had to go with um, It's a Wonderful Life. That's that's what I chose. The 1946 uh, Frank Capra classic. Um, there's just... I, I mean, I think one of the great things about that movie is that... Um, whoever was in charge of renewing the copyright for that movie forgot to do so in the 19, I believe it was in the 70s. And um, Roger Ebert talked about how that was basically both the best and worst thing to happen to that movie. (laughs) Um, The best thing because it suddenly allowed any TV station who could get their hands on a copy just to show it. And it it became a thing, especially around Christmas time every year, there were stations that were just showing it on, on a loop. So it introduced the movie to a lot of people that wouldn't otherwise have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, the bad thing about it is is some people colorized it. Oh, right. <laughs> and uh, Jimmy Stewart and others were angry about it. And, and it's, he said it made him sick to his stomach. He even testified in Congress about it. Oh, wow. And I don't wow. think I've ever seen the color version. I've I, seen I the have black and a... white version probably 15 or 20 times. and. Probably, yeah, probably closer to 15, but, I mean, it's a great movie. And just coincidentally, today I was I was uh, picking up my son from basketball and I asked him what he did today, and he said he watched the movie. <laughs> and I wasn't sure whether to believe him, so I said, well, what's it about? And he recited the whole plot to me, <laughs> I mean, in about, like, five sentences. Yeah. So I was quite impressed. That is impressive. Awesome. And, and he liked it. And, you know, and that's the other thing, too, that shows that it's a classic is – I don't think you can just pick up any movie from the 1940s or fifties and have a kid enjoy it and like watch it Mm. front to back. And it even has some moments that are, you know, kind of scary. And, um, but as far as it being a Christmas movie, you know, this is a Christmas movie podcast. Uh, it's like, you, you think of say what Scrooge is, is shown in, in a Christmas Carol and he's visited by the, the three, the three ghosts and they show him other people happy and 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 then how his future could be horrible and and just different things that he's shown through through the magic of 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 the story and there's a similar thing in this movie where you know clarence the angel is showing uh george bailey what life would be like if he had never been born and it's great because he's basically become suicidal and and Mm -hmm. tries to commit suicide in this 1946 movie you know family movie no it's a it's a dark movie it is it's got some dark elements. And, um, but then, you know, like, like, and this to me is, I was trying to think of what are the hallmarks? What are the characteristics of, of a Christmas movie? You know, cause you, you mentioned earlier, like is Die Hard a Christmas <laughs> movie, you know, well, it takes place at Christmas. Mm-hmm. I would probably say no, because that's just one element maybe of a Christmas movie. Um, the setting, it should be at or near or about Christmas. I think there has to be some type of Christmas spirit, mm-hmm. um, associated with the movie where like let's say a character has to like lose the christmas spirit and be introduced to it or have it regained or rediscovered by another character okay. um it has to be kind of a family movie and again that maybe people would disagree with me and so obviously you know diehard wouldn't qualify but when i look at a lot of these classic christmas movies almost none of them are are you know rated r like that is just that's odd for me. Now I guess you know, love actually is probably an exception, but
0: well, movie. oh yeah, for 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 infamous reasons. I mean, that's the that's the kind of one where it's like, really, did you? Is this completely necessary?
2: <laughs> right, you're right. Yeah. And I and the funny thing is, I saw I saw the heavily edited. I don't even know. There's a whole like subplot I apparently didn't see because I saw a TV version of that movie, so I haven't seen. Oh that yeah, really. no, that's that's what the I mean.
0: Version. Is like that but, movie is entirely rated R because of the one random ensemble cast one subplot plot, yeah that you know yeah. cause I, i've never i've never seen it in kind of a non-tv context so right. i know i know what you mean yeah. but i but i know what the other plot is and so it's like very christmasy you know
2: exactly uh, throw another <laughs> well, and, yule log and, and, on
0: the fire kids that's
2: Yeah. And so for me, for a Christmas movie, like I'm thinking the setting being at or near or about Christmas, the Christmas spirit, especially involving with maybe one character or maybe a bunch of characters trying to help another character find it, family movie, and then also an element of magic. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: many of these movies, as I've looked at them, and not all of them, I get that, not all of them have it, but quite a few of these Christmas movies have some sort of magic, magical uh, you know, element or supernatural element almost that, you know, maybe Santa's, Santa's real or, you know, and um, so, yeah, this is, uh, it fits, it's a wonderful life. Um, you know, like, it's almost like uh, maybe not so much his Christmas spirit, but his, his will to live is, is, is gone, <laughs> you know, at yeah. one point in the movie and Clarence has to help him regain it. And, and the cool thing too, is how gradual it is, you know, as he, as he's shown the different scenes in the town, Um, and, and how, you know, by the end of it, when he's, you know, when he has his life back again, he's just a changed man, completely different person. And the title I think is perfect too. I mean, to describe the movie. So I, I love it. I I remember many, many years ago when, when my dad kind of sat me down and said, here are my favorite movies. And he just wrote down a list of about 39 movies. And then he picked 10 movies that he put stars by that are like his favorite top all time top 10 and It's a Wonderful Life was one of them. And the, coincidentally, I think West Side Story was <laughs> kind of surprising because it's not like he's a big musical guy, but I know he loved that movie. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely nice. love it. It's a Wonderful Life for me is, is an all-time nice. classic.
0: Okay, well, my my choice, and, and I have to say really quickly that it's uh, – I thought it was funny that you guys were considering A Christmas Story is your old – Christmas movie because <laughs> it ain't that old. Yeah.
2: Well, I I wasn't, but I was considering it somewhere um, on the list. No, but, what yeah.
0: the so my so my my choice for for old Christmas favorite uh, is one that my family's watched together almost every Christmas Eve uh, my entire life. It's the the nineteen seventy and Danny get ready to laugh the nineteen seventy musical version of Scrooge uh, with Albert Finney. Um, this is one
1: actually. That's not a bad choice, yeah.
0: Oh well, no. I mean, just Dang. considering yeah. as much as as much as anti-musical as I tend to be, <laughs> it is funny that one, one, one of my all-time favorites. Is is very much oh. a, a musical, but but this is. I'm
1: so proud.
0: Oh, thank you. you. Um, I've come a, come a long crying. way. Uh, no, you, get, you got Albert Finney in the title role um, under heavy makeup, and as a kid, I had no idea that that wasn't what he looked like. Like it was it was so you know well done. Alec Guinness plays Jacob Marley in and just a classic classic humorous performance and interpretation of that role um but just you know it's it's really good that's the thing is I mean I can I can laugh and make fun of musicals all I want but the music in this is really great the performances are spot on and and there is just such a you know it's interesting because I as much as I've loved this movie. I, I've always kind of thought, well, it's it's interesting because you know, as a Christmas movie, it's it's a very secular Christmas movie, right? I mean, it's it's all about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 secular Christmas iconography and not really about kind of the Christian side. But then the story is, is about redemption and about second chances, mm-hmm. and and so the, the Ebenezer Scrooge character, it's like it really kind of ties in that, you know, the the theology and the you know the themes uh, that that really kind of bring the holiday to life, and and I, that's one of the. And, and this movie communicates that in such an effective way, and and I think that when done well, music really really can bring in kind of that that spiritual catharsis, and and kind of send those messages, and 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 so. I will, I will allow that a good portion of this is probably due to the fact that I have these very deep nostalgic connections to watching this on Christmas Eve with my family growing up and then, you know, through, mm-hmm. through adulthood. Um, but I would like to think that objectively, if I were to watch it for the first time now, that I would still appreciate uh, most, if not all, of, of what this movie is. So, uh, and, and easily, I mean, of all the different versions of, you know, A Christmas Carol that are out there, um, this one is, is far and away the one that I, that I connect with the best and that, that, that to me seems to embody, uh, you know, kind of the, the, spirit of the story. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's my old one. Have you guys seen this one?
2: Yeah. I was just going to look it up and see, cause I've seen a couple versions of a Christmas, uh, well, it's called Scrooge. I am not sure if I've seen this movie. Um, I, I'll have to look, but I love that if I haven't because you guys have already given me two recommendations of movies I don't. I don't think I've seen. There we go. Um, I I may have. I'm gonna I'm gonna see, but because uh, I know I've seen a couple versions of it. I know there's a popular George C. Scott version
0: that a lot of people uh, seem to like, and mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, there's there's much much older versions. Um, I mean, Scrooge.
2: There's the Muppet. Yeah, right.
0: No, no. Yeah. I mean, there. It's it's got to be like just like you know. Cyrano and Romeo and Juliet, just one of these things that's been constantly remade over and over, yeah. you know, over the years. But, uh, but this one, I've, I've, never, yeah. I've never had the same takeaway from, mm. from any of the other versions. Mm. Even the one I starred in I, at Viewmont High's Little Theater as a junior in high school, <laughs> when I played Jacob Marley, <laughs> still not as good, though it was awesome.
2: Well, I don't know if you're as good as Goofy playing <laughs> yeah. Jacob Marley in the uh, hey. the Disney. <laughs> <in> the <Quarlesque. laughs> well, who is? <laughs> right. Oh goodness, Danny, Danny, you had more thoughts on this one.
1: Yeah, no, um, well, it's just funny we're talking about all these adaptations, and I, I held off talking about Christmas Carol because I love that story so much, and I think it is such a very, I don't know, it's it's just that storyline, like you said, with the redemption and everything, the secular plus mm-hmm. that theology, like it's it's just so very much tied to the christmas season i think and um mm-hmm. so for my new movie that it, it, it this one's a runner up i have two um but as a runner oh, up come on. as a runner up i chose um the man who invented christmas um because i, I don't quite have the nostalgia tied to it yet cuz it is very new um yeah
0: just like 3 or 4 years old yeah right?
1: but i fell in love with it the first time i watched it i think i watched it on an airplane and then i instantly told all my family I'm like I don't know where this movie came from, but it is amazing. Um, Dan Stevens plays Charles Dickens, my favorite right, right. classic author of all time. So it's like all these different elements just came together, and it's just a beautiful story telling how this story came about, um, how you know this was a time where Dickens was really struggling, and he was kind of just coming up with this on the fly, but also it was something that was so different. Deeply personal for him, and you know, it, it hits you hard with those emotions. But it also is just so charming, so fun. Um, it's a great movie. Like, I mean, since it came out, I watched it every December. It's it's definitely become a new, it's become a new addition to my my watch list um, because it is so good. I I wanted to include it just because I want people to be watching it because it is just mm. such a great movie.
0: Okay, so what, what did it lose to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, because I mean, it's. It is so good. I just think I, I have more nostalgia really for this one, and I thought it would be kind of a funny new pick because it's technically like the newer version of the um, yeah. movie, but it's um, the Jim Carrey version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Ah,
0: okay. it is the 2001 version?
1: Yeah. So I mean, like, it's yeah. kind of teetering between that old and new. Like, it's it's getting older, right? But I, between this one and the cartoon, because I didn't gr- grow up. With that and I know a lot of people like have strong feelings between the two but I I grew up with a live-action adaptation I think his character is just so iconic and I just I quote <laughs> that movie all the time and um Cindy Lou who she's just so cute and again with that Christmas spirit that magic the that um that coldness but then bringing in the warmth and it's just I I just I think it's so much fun so uh, that, that one's more my, my new pick.
0: I'll, I will always have very specific memories of that one, mm-hmm. because I remember somehow in in the context of all this, one of my best friends was dating his future wife at the time and decided that he wanted to get her a plush grinch doll, like as part like from the movie you know, because there was some merchandising line or something. Oh, of and course. So I remember, like, going out with him to go shopping and to find this plush Jim Carrey Grinch to give to, you know, they were they were engaged, I think, by the end of the year and married, like, six months later or something. But that, that – and, and so I remember going to see it in during this period somehow. But that's – because, well, yeah. I don't know. It was uh, – Two thousand is when it came out, end of two thousand, wow. right? Yeah, no, that's that's why I remember. That's the only reason I remember is because because I think I, think I saw it once in the theater. And I haven't seen it since. Yeah. but I have this. Yeah. So anyway, so put that down in your journal tonight. <laughs> that's I- some very useful information. <laughs>
2: Yeah, for me, that's funny because, and and maybe it's more of a generational thing. I I loved the original Grinch, the cartoon version, so much that mm-hmm. even even me, and I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan. In fact, I actually just watched Liar Liar last night, <laughs> but <laughs> I I did not. I was not a huge fan of the um, of the new version. Um, it was, I don't know, like I, I I thought his performance was just not my not my favorite of his. Um, and they added things to the character that just, it, or to the movie that made it even darker than, I don't know, I felt like it needed to be, Yeah. but I mean, yeah, he, he, he's an amazingly just manically comical, uh, you know, actor. He's kind of like Robin Williams in a way. And, and that little girl who played Cindy Lou, who was, uh, she ended up becoming like a kind of a rock star, you know. Punk singer.
3: Um, oh, really,
2: she kept recording music. She also played in Gossip Girl, um, and that was—I think that might have been her very first movie. But she sang that really. It has a great song in it in the yeah. Grinch movie yeah. that she sings. Her name is Taylor Momsen. So she kind okay. of was that like familiar, yeah. The star, yeah, the star. But it had some funny, you know, character actor supporting performances. I remember like Christine Baranski and Jeffrey Tambor.
1: Oh, totally, and the world too. Like it's just. You know all the architecture, all the costumes, like you know, just a lot of thought went oh, into yeah. it to try to capture oh. that look. But
2: they did they did a great job. Yeah, yeah, the set design, the production design on that was was really good. I mean, Dr. Seuss, they really tried to capture that the mm-hmm. spirit of Dr. Seuss
3: mm-hmm.
0: for sure. Yeah, nice. Okay, Mark. Well, so if you weren't a big fan of Dr. Seuss, now you got to give. <laughs> You got to give Danny something to take a shot at here. So okay,
2: sure, I will. I I don't know this movie. We're on new movie, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I I chose what is becoming a Christmas classic for us in our house. Basically, we watch it every year. Probably since I've got gotten married about ten years, eleven years ago, and it's Elf.
1: Oh, uh, um, yeah.
2: Uh, it's yeah. a funny movie. I was I saw it in the theater uh, in two thousand three, and Immediately loved it, just thought it was, uh, it's very, very quotable, lots of funny lines in it, and I remember it being sort of the first, sort of a family, maybe first and only family movie of Will Ferrell. Um, <laughs> maybe so. it's true. I, I'm, I'm sure there's a few I'm missing, uh, you know, maybe few a stranger than fiction but but Lego like movie he, we oh, can't we forget go. Lego yeah, movie yeah yeah oh cr- yeah exactly <laughs> he's the he's the dad on that he he has a lot of good movies um but this one yeah. for me just took the cake and I thought it was perfectly cast too oh you know with James Caan <laughs> as sort of the crotchety old
1: Scrooge-like <laughs>
2: guy and then there's an even worse Scrooge-like and Peter guy and Peter yeah, Dinklage again. is in it <laughs> I was going to mention that you know you talked about Cyrano and He's great in that. Oh,
3: <laughs> I love when he it. just like
2: talks about his uh, his ideas for a children's story, and he's just psyched out of his <laughs>
3: gourd. You know, he's talking
2: so cool, and everyone's hanging on every word. Um, but yeah, just so many funny lines. I, I'm often curious at how much of it was ad libbed, if any. Mm. You know, cause maybe it wasn't. You know, but I know. Yeah, Will I was going to say I'd be,
0: I'd be more really surprised if he and... didn't do at least a good portion of it. You know,
2: me too. Yeah, That's I I, I wonder works. if there's a few, and I and there's a cool. There's a cool special, uh, too, on how they did some of the perspective scenes. Because remember in the early scenes in the North Pole, how Will Ferrell just towers over everybody else. (laughs) um, And he's and and some of it was just like they would position the camera to where he would his desk would be in the corner of the classroom. And then the next desk would actually be like 12 feet behind him. But they'd make the camera look like the desks were yeah. right next to like each forced other, perspective. and Will Ferrell's just huge. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they call it. that's the word yeah. I was looking for. Yeah, forced perspective. Um, and the other cool thing about it is Peter Billingsley is in it. That's right. He's yeah. in two iconic Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. I, I do kind of consider Elf a modern classic, but he's also the star of uh, a Christmas Story. Yeah, um, no, that's I was actually going to say one that. that.
0: Like, I I really feel like Elf is going to be, Yeah, because we've got this short list of the classic right. one. You know, It's a Wonderful Life is definitely one of them and you know, Christmas Story and 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 I think that Elf is is really quickly joining that list
2: of of just oh, kinda yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad you picked that
2: one. I, I really like it. And it's not that new. I mean it's it's eighteen years old now, but it's it's definitely newer than most of the ones on our list. And and I and uh, is it John Favreau? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. John Favreau's the guy who made it. Yeah, right. I, I saw a meme the other day that talked about him as maybe the most underrated filmmaker of our time because he made the new Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. He started the Marvel yeah. franchise oh, yeah. right. with the Iron Man. Right. He re, he reinvigorated Star Wars with the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And there's one other thing I don't remember, but he's actually done a lot of good no, stuff. No, he has. He just kind of. Flown under the radar because he's not a huge name, you know, like well, Spielberg or whoever. But
0: yeah. well, maybe and maybe this, maybe this, I don't know. It just it it occurs to me he almost seems kind of like the new Ron Howard,
3: mm. you know.
0: There's mm-hmm. there's just kind of a, a consistency, a quality vibe, you know. It's that's largely family friendly. I think I think most of the movies that he makes are, are you know at least family accessible if they're not straight up you know PG movies. Totally. Um, and of course of course Ron Howard has done a lot of non you know, but, but when I think of like Ron Howard stuff, I'm thinking about Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about uh, a beautiful you know, mind, beautiful mm-hmm. mind and cocoon and some of that stuff and and, and John Favreau. I don't, I don't know I could yeah. could be way off, but uh, that's right. I, yeah, I, he, I kind of associate maybe...
2: them together. He's not an auteur, maybe you know, but he's he's a very good quality filmmaker, and, oh, yeah. and yeah. just always seems to hit it on the nose.
0: Well, now, yeah. uh, so so Elf uh, is definitely a lot newer than my choice. <laughs> so apparently, apparently, my sense of I uh, now I did I did have a backup just in case, and my backup was While You Were Sleeping, um, the uh, the Sandra Bullock oh. movie from uh, I think it was 94, 95 – um, which, which I will always love for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that it's set in Chicago. So, so I spend <laughs> the whole movie kind of, you know, checking out my old stomping grounds. Um, L Train being kind of a major focal point of the plot of the movie, too. But uh, mm. um, the one I did choose, um, which, I don't know, I feel just a little bit bashful because it's not exactly the most family-friendly movie, uh, is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Now, now, technically, I guess there are four vacation movies, though I've never seen Vegas Vacation and don't really have a desire to. Um, of the three that I consider, like, the real vacation movies, uh, this one I think is is the best. At times, vulgar and, and over-the-top and crazy as it is, it also seems to really kind of capture the the chaotic, dysfunctional side of the Christmas holiday that we, we know and love. I mean, the whole premise is that you know, rather than set out on some, you know, vacation like the previous movies did, uh, Chevy Chase and his family are actually staying home for the holidays and welcoming their, fa- their, their extended family to come stay with them. And, and the, the main tension of the plot revolves around whether Clark Griswold, the, the, the ill-fated patriarch, is going to get the Christmas bonus check that will pay for the swimming pool he's already put a down payment on And, and, uh, you know, then of course, hijinks ensue as different family members arrive. And, uh, you have cousin Eddie, who's just like this, this brilliant role by Randy Quaid. that's just kind of the, the nightmare, he's a relative and you got to love him because he's a relative, but you know, you'd really rather never have any contact (laughs) with this person ever. And, you know, lots of, lots of classic lines, classic situations and scenarios, uh, some of which are appropriate to discuss in a podcast, some of them might not. Uh, but no, it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's in solid PG-13 range. Um, it's not pushing into R-rated territory for anybody who has not seen it, but uh, it's, it's not exactly the kind of thing that you would gather the family around, the TV uh, to watch if, uh, you know, unless everybody was at least at least into their teens. If not, uh, if not adults, but I don't know, I'm almost kind of describing it as a guilty pleasure here, but it, it's one of the, the funniest Christmas movies I've ever seen, uh, one of the funniest Chevy Chase movies I've ever seen, and uh, hard, hard to, to not think of it alongside Christmas Story and, and some of these other, you know, kind of modern, you know, even even Elf, even though it's a very you know, kind of different different movie. But uh, yeah, so Christmas vacation—it's uh, wart, warts and all—it gets to the heart of it.
2: I I completely agree. I love that movie. I'm so glad you chose it because I that almost made my list, but yeah. I was I was just I just didn't end up doing it, and so I was hoping somebody would because that's one of our annual movies too. We yeah. watch it every year. In fact, sometimes we watch it even closer to Thanksgiving than Christmas. It's almost like we can't wait to get started with that movie, and. And cousin Eddie is one of the best characters I've ever seen oh in movie or TV. Yeah. He's so hilarious. Every line, he plays it perfectly. Yeah. He feels like that is how uh Randy Quaid like I feel like he is Cousin Eddie. Yeah. I mean I hope he's not, but you know, <laughs> he just plays that role so perfectly. So many funny lines. Danny, you need to watch it. I, I, I think will, you really yeah. should watch it over this the holidays because it's funny. And it's funny that you mentioned about the rating or, or the how it's, you know, not completely appropriate, but, like, compared to the first two vacation movies, those are right. clear rated R movies. And so what they did is a PG-13 version that's, you know, kind of on the line. No, and honestly, and um,
0: that's part of the reason I like it the best is because yeah. it's the one that I don't feel like, oh, I shouldn't right. be watching you,
2: this. Yeah, <laughs> you could watch it with, with, you know, a lot of people. But, like, I remember the um my family and I, one time we were at my grandma's house watching Vacation, the, the, the Wally World Vacation. Oh, and then there's, there's like a nude scene just out of nowhere suddenly. And I remember my mom running up to the TV and covering the TV screen with her hands. <laughs> oh, and there's kids. There's just tons of kids in the room. And we're all kind of confused. Like, oh, we didn't know it was this kind of movie. And it was just funny because, um, you know, with Christmas Vacation, it's, you, you don't have to, have to deal with that. But, yeah, it's definitely not like PG. It's yeah. not, you oh, know. No. G rated but but to be fair what family Christmas... gatherings
1: are kept PG you know so no, just...
2: <laughs> right right
0: no well and it, like i said i think i think that's what i enjoy about it is that it it yeah. had, it gets at that you know mm-hmm. the the darker side of the darker and yet very true <laughs> side of family gatherings right
2: right yeah one one of the things i noticed a few years ago watching it i didn't notice this till about maybe 4 or 5 years ago is the little boy who plays Rusty in Christmas Vacation is yeah. Johnny Galecki. Right. It's the Big Bang from, Theory guy. Uh, the Big Bang Theory. And of course, the next door neighbor, they're, they're a yuppie couple with oh, no yeah. kids. Uh, it, one of them is Julie louis Dreyfus. Yeah. So this was right at the beginning of Seinfeld. I think yeah. it might have been the year yeah. Seinfeld started. Right. Um, so, but yeah, lots of great, just great funny lines, great moments. And uh, it's, yeah, I love that one. Good times. <laughs> Danny, have you, have you seen Christmas Vacation?
1: No, I'm gonna have to. Now. She hasn't even heard of yeah, it. I didn't even hear about it. Like when you <laughs> said it so fast, I was like, "What? What is this?" Um, yeah, no, yeah. I. Uh, I think my parents did try to keep our Christmases very PG. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <so laughs> which I mean is ironic with my next pick, actually. Okay, well,
0: yeah, <laughs> let's let's get into the final round then. So now we got kind of the curveballs. Let's uh
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it Let's hear it. No, it's just so it's just so funny when you're uh talking about all these like, you know, just the Christmas chaos and all that um, cuz My curveball movie is the movie I am most excited to see every December. In fact, like I'm kind of in that same boat of like I'll I'll kind of sneak it in at the end of November or maybe like around Thanksgiving just cuz like I'll watch it a couple times actually cuz I just I love this movie so much. And it is Gremlins.
2: Josh chose that, huh? That
0: was mine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I that was mi- No, go ahead. That's fine. That's oh, good, fine. good. I do, I do have no, a backup, cause... but it's not as good. Go ahead. Talk about Gremlins. <laughs> no, but
1: this movie... I shouldn't
0: let you go first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll let you describe it. You're so good at doing that. Do you want it's, to describe it? It's
0: a Christmas gift that goes for you. <laughs> the, da- the dad is out shopping for his kid, finds this little animal it's a hand puppet and and has to has to basically buy it under the table because the owner won't sell it so the owner's kid sells it to him and and it had and there are three rules right you don't get them wet you don't expose them to sunlight and you don't feed them after midnight and of course all those rules are violated (laughs) post haste yep and uh and that's how the movie earns its name, Gremlins, <laughs> as they ensue. But nope. oh yeah, no, it's such a such a good one. And tell tell me more about what you like about it, because I'm yeah. pretty sure that there are a couple specific things that I like that I don't think you're gonna, you're gonna mention. So yeah, so no, you, that's good. Go ahead.
1: Well, um, I think the big thing that just made me love it growing up is that it has all those, that that Spielberg touch, right? Like having the hand puppets. It's very tangible. It's very fun. Just like looking at these creatures, right? Um I always wanted mm-hmm. a Gizmo. I actually I got one for Christmas one year. Um who sings and I just I love it so much and um just that perfect those setups and you just really like there there's always a setup and payoff just constantly all throughout the movie and it's just so satisfying. Mm-hmm. The scenes are so iconic like the kitchen scene, the school scene, then you have the movie theater scene which is probably like the yeah. best thing I've ever seen in my life. Like I just you know, it's just those moments that I get so excited about. But um, this time, watching it again, because I felt like I would have to argue why this is my favorite Christmas movie <laughs> and just try to defend myself a little bit. And so I'm like, okay, there's got to be something critical here. And um, just, I, I, I felt like, you know, it's it's tied to Christmas. Is it, It's kind of blatantly established, but I didn't really focus on it before. Just how, you know, while Christmas can be this really fun time of year can also be this very dark, sad time. Like,
2: Mm. I I
1: think it was perfect that it was set up in this small town where everyone's kind of struggling financially. And, um, you know, the gremlins, and and this is, you know, according to just normal gremlin lore, which is how they got their name, um, that they mess with devices. And so it kind of touches on that consumer side of the holidays and how it's so money-based. So you have this, you know, economic depression side of things, but also this this need for technology. And um, I think just, I, I love how this movie, every time I watch it, I pick up something new. There's like some new detail. And most of it is like, you know, these gremlins are showing the bad side of humanity. You know, they're gorging themselves on food and alcohol and smoking. And, um, you know, they're just... They're kind of that terrible side of humanity, right? Yeah. And um, just kind of showing those darker themes of the holidays. But it's still just fun and hilarious, and I love watching it every single time.
0: Well, and I, I think one of the big reasons that, that the movie is able to pull off, again, kind of like the juxtaposition of like the, the silly happy holiday vibe versus kind of the darker underbelly
3: mm-hmm.
0: is that uh, – so so you mentioned Spielberg a couple times, and you know he was – he was definitely had had a hand in this. You know, he's one of the executive producers. Um, the director is Joe Dante, yeah, who was one of my yeah. all-time favorite directors. Uh, also, also did The Burbs mm-hmm. and and did interspace Space. You know, one of my all-time favorite movies for a variety of reasons. We'll probably talk about it on the podcast at some point. Um, and his movies just really kind of have this very quirky. You know uh-huh. like there there's a very there, well maybe macabre is the right term, right, and so it, it almost almost kind of like a cousin to Tim Burton where there's a lightness and a and a silliness to them, but there's also kind of like this parallel darkness uh-huh. and 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 it's so intense in gremlin's that it's like man, this isn't really even a family movie right <laughs> i mean there's some kind of there's some violence and some some gore and and that kind of thing, but uh no it's still still just you know. Just a fun, fun, crazy, really, really original, unique movie. Um, I and so so I love it as, as one of one of my Joe, Joe Dante movies, but uh, and this, this is this is what I was hinting at earlier because this is such a specific thing that I, I was pretty sure nobody else would pick up on this. Um, the the opening to the movie is is set to one of my all-time favorite Christmas songs, if not probably probably in the top two. Um, is the, the Darlene Love song uh, "Christmas Baby, Please uh, Baby Please Come Home," which just you know captures the spirit of the holiday, the kind of the hopeless romanticism of it and the, the joy and all that. Um, there, I, I know there are covers by uh, U2 and I think Mariah Carey, but I think Darlene Love actually used to come on Letterman every year and and sing that and and mm-hmm. perform it to kind of kick the season off. But just one of my you know, as a big music guy. Um this this was a song that was taken off of uh, Phil Spector's Christmas album from about nineteen sixty two, I think, uh which just has a laundry list of some of my all-time favorite uh Christmas songs. And uh this this one was like far and away the flagship, uh kind of you know, the, the heavy hitter on that album. But uh between that and and just, you know, you've you've got uh you know, Phoebe Cates in there and, and you and you've got uh, uh Oh, even the guy, the guy who, who plays the kind of like the construction worker and, you know, he drives, he drives the truck. I mean, just all kinds of kind of familiar faces and, oh, Corey Feldman is in this thing. You know, just, yeah, it's just a great, fun movie.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Good, good choice. And you stole it right from me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm glad you have surprised. like good taste
1: with the music because, um the The music oh, yeah. that I love in this is just the Gremlins theme, which was my ringtone for my very first phone oh, right, for right. the longest. Time. Oh my gosh,
0: really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I so, so Mark, did you choose Gremlins: The New Batch as your? Is no, the no.
2: <laughs> I I'm surprised we got this far without having a, having people pick the same movie. So that's pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's interesting, Gremlins for me. I, I always feel like some, with some movies. There's there's not a nostalgia factor because you don't watch it at the right time. Oh, yeah. And I never saw this when I was young, and I didn't watch it until a few years ago. Oh okay. And it just did not work for me. It, it was it was just you know I, I'm sure if I would seen this movie 20 or 25 years ago or something, it would it would just hit me in the right spot. But I I didn't, and it was like uh, it just found it kind of gross and weird and like I don't know maybe I should watch it again. Well now so you got to watch was it not again for me. <laughs> Yeah, I never, first of all, I never thought of it as a Christmas movie, but I mean, it's a curveball, so it makes sense. Yep. There you go. Um, there you go. And I like Spielberg. Yeah, he's produced a lot of great stuff, especially mm-hmm. in the mid 80s. Um, but
1: but there's still that quirky spin to it for sure. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: no, mm-hmm. I think it's fair.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My movie also comes from uh, that time period. It's the next year. Um and it's a, it's a nostalgic movie. I saw it when I was young. In fact, I haven't seen it recently, and I want to revisit it. It's called One Magic Christmas. Mm, um, wow. It came out in 1985. It's a it's a very odd, weird movie that I don't think could be pitched today or made today um, for a couple of reasons I'll get into. Because, first of all, the title One Magic Christmas, think about this, it's rated G, and it's a Disney movie. So Mm -hmm. you would automatically think like, oh, it's a lighthearted, fun, you know, fable, like maybe, you know, very just for kids kind of a movie. And it has some extremely like dark and odd elements to it. Um, And I'll kind of let me just tell you the plot. So basically, it's about a a family that's kind of struggling. And there's a mom who doesn't have the Christmas spirit. And she has a son and a daughter. And she has a, a husband who just lost her job, his job. He wants to open up a bike shop, doesn't have enough money. And he works in a house that's a company-owned house for the, the company he just, the job he just lost. And so they may not even be able to keep their house. And it's it's Christmas time. And then an angel visits the little girl. And it's kind of weird because it's like this just normal kind of old-looking guy played by Harry Dean Stanton that starts visiting this little girl. And, and there's even some just odd... I don't think that part of the movie could even be made today, like the way they they do some of those scenes. Mm. Um, and he's been—he's not a like Clarence, who is a, a guardian angel in *It's a Wonderful Life*. Gideon is a Christmas angel, sent by somebody named Nicholas to help restore the Christmas spirit in this this woman, the the mother of the house. And so you know, it starts out kind of kind of normal, and then just chaos just crazy stuff happens that is just tragic um there's a murder at a bank during a bank robbery my word there's a scene where you apparently think that the children die the mom believes that they're dead i mean it's like her her bad christmas and her christmas spirit has no reason to be resurrected and she's just like in the worst time of her life and and she's poor, I mean it's kind of lower class and she's trying to make ends meet as as a as a cashier and gets fired. And so, you know, I kind of have told you some of the more worse worse parts of it that are, I guess, spoilers. It now it does end well, you know, surprisingly well. Um, but it's interesting because it's it's played in such a realistic way in some of those darker scenes. Now it does have the magical elements and the title does make sense. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not like a movie that that doesn't have magic in it and to me it does qualify as a christmas movie but it really is a curveball because when you watch it you you can see those the production values aren't as aren't as great um i i bet it was an extremely low budget movie um coincidentally it has mary steenburgen is is the mother who also was in the movie l so she's in a couple christmas movies um So I I went with that one. I I considered a couple others that, because again, a curveball category, I wanted to think of something that maybe you guys wouldn't think of as a curveball. Yeah. And I was thinking about daddy's home, which to me is is a hilarious (laughs) movie with uh, Will Ferrell, Mel Gibson. But then I realized I was actually thinking about the second one and I don't like that as much. Daddy's home too is really a Christmas movie, but I think the first movie is funnier. So I didn't, I didn't choose either of those. And then, Catch Me If You Can is kind of a sneaky Christmas movie. Oh, okay. There's several elements of that movie. It starts out on Christmas Eve. There's a Christmas scene between the family while Leonardo DiCaprio's younger. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene uh, where, which to me is sort of a turning point in the movie when Carl Hanratty, who was played by Tom Hanks, um, receives a call from Frank Abagnale Jr. from Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's at Christmas time. And then Carl Hanratty kind of Realizes that he has no one else to call, and he sort of makes fun of him for it. You know, like you're oh, all alone. Yeah, you know? and I think that's kind of when he realizes, like, you know, this guy, he can't keep running like this forever. He's too lonely. Mm-hmm. Like, he cannot. I, I'm going to catch him because he's just going to, he's going to want to be caught eventually, or he's going to slip yeah. up. Because he, ha- they have this weird conversation, and I think Tom Hanks even like laughs at him on the, on the phone call. He's like, "You don't have anyone else to call. You're all alone." You know, like. And that takes place at Christmas. In fact, I think it was Christmas Eve, maybe. So there's a lot of things in that movie that are yeah. somewhat Christmas related, but it's not. I don't think it's really a Christmas movie. Um, but I love it. Spielberg movie again. So, yeah.
0: yeah. No, that's that. That I, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I I did watch that fairly recently again, and and so I have some fresh memories of those those scenes. I know what you're talking about. Um, okay, so my backup. <laughs> My, okay. my, my curveball backup uh, is is one that might be well it might be the newest one that we've mentioned so far I can't remember if it came out before or after the man who invented Christmas it might have been before that okay. um, this one was 2015 it was uh, Krampus
3: <laughs> no and
0: it, because again just kind of a kind of a sneaky like yes this is. You know, I mean, it's very much a holiday Christmas movie, just as more of a a warning uh, than than a celebration. I guess the whole the whole concept <laughs> is that uh, you know, you know, Father Christmas in, you know, Santa Claus comes if you're good, and Krampus comes if you're bad, and it's it's based on like this legend from uh, you know, somewhere in, in you know old European lore. And it's this this great horned monster that stalks around on the on the rooftops. And, and if you if you don't have sufficient Christmas spirit or if you reject the Christmas spirit, Krampus is coming to get you. And and there's just this family, you know, in it. And I I want to say and this is this is really going to sound bad. Um <laughs> Because I'm not sure if I'm confusing the opening to this movie with the opening to Jingle All the Way, which I just barely saw like a week ago, <laughs> and 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 did not qualify for this list in any regard. Um, but the opening to Krampus is kind of one of these. It's like a like a Black Friday door crash. You know, everybody scrambling in slow motion, falling all over each other to get the uh, you know the 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 cheap dvd player or tv or flat screen or whatever it is um but so it's another kind of one of these we've gotten far away from the spirit of this holiday Mm -hmm. and and so it centers around this family that's gotten together and everybody's just awful and and terrible except for this one little kid who's still kind of like holding on to hope but then then his spirits are crushed and he tears up his letter to santa claus and and once he's finally you know once once he gives that that up that triggers the release of the Krampus who comes and, you know, this horrible storm, you know, this blizzard kind of traps the family in the home. And, and so it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it, it's almost kind of a, uh, night of the living dead type of, you know, everybody's trapped in the house and, and there are evil forces trying to get in and, and I don't know, I, I, there, there are, there's there's one key moment that I especially love in this movie, but I don't know that I could really describe it properly, and so I would just say, just see the movie and watch for it. It's 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 just a kind of a fun, bizarre, again, kind of a macabre, you know. There, it's it's teaching a very positive lesson, a very pro-Christmas lesson, in a roundabout, uh, warning type of way, and and so. So if Gremlins is off the table, then, then <laughs> Krampus will have to get the job done. <laughs> so, but I don't know. I, I don't know if either of you either. You've seen this one, but uh,
2: I have not. I've no really right wanted too, to though, because I've seen,
1: seen like clips of it, and I I do like Adam Scott a lot and Tony Collette, and like the yeah, whole right. cast. Both of them, yeah,
2: right.
0: So I
1: don't know.
0: No, I did. I did mention they're fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So I
1: don't know. It just seemed like Kenneth David Kechner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, very, yeah. very, much so. Very much so. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should have ended on "It's a Wonderful Life." Maybe that would have been more. <laughs> <fun>.
1: <laughs> Be careful, kids. No. Believe in Santa. But, uh, no, we got. <laughs> you know,
3: like...
0: I think I think we covered some good ground. We definitely covered some that, that even though I didn't choose them, I'm glad that were included because, yeah. you know, there there are a lot of like like I said. I mean, it, it was it was hard to separate my favorite favorite Christmas movies. Because there are so many good ones that would easily you know or very very easy to recommend, um but then just kind of narrowing it down and saying, "All right, now, if I really only had to pick a couple yeah which ones which ones would I want to pass on so so that was that was an interesting it, experience
2: if you could give an honorable mention like one other movie like let's say you did have to pick a favorite that somehow didn't come up today, like a favorite Christmas movie, are there any others you would throw in there?
0: Well, I mean it's hard it's hard not to include Christmas story, you know. We yeah. we've talked about it, but we haven't included it. No one
2: picked that, right? Yeah. yeah. and
0: and maybe just because it was almost too obligatory a choice. I mean, it's it's yeah. really you know, I that one I don't remember it being as omnipresent as a kid because it was still fairly new and I think it took some time to kind of catch on as kind of a cult hit and then really within the last the last 10-15 years I think it's become this one that's just you know, it's one of those mm-hmm. ones that they'll play 24 hours on certain cable channels and stuff. Um, right. But uh, no, there, there are other movies I thought about, you know, especially in terms of like kind of curveball diehard type things where uh, I actually have always kind of had a soft, soft spot for this movie, uh, Serendipity, which uh, has yeah. a couple of, couple of key scenes take place on Christmas, but it's really not a Christmas movie. Um, yeah. It came out around that season, and so I always associate it with that season because that's when I saw it. Um, but again, like not not quite high enough to 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 break the short short list. Um, yeah. Gosh, what else? I don't know. Did you Did you guys have any other any any hard to I,
2: eliminate? I, I have a few. Um, I'm I'm kind of surprised no one threw out Home Alone. That's sort of a classic. That's right. That's it, right. Yeah that one is uh it's that came out right after christmas vacation so there was a two-year period with two you know christmas classics i guess Um, that's right it's not one of my favorite john hughes but it's actually i think it's actually climbing up a little bit we we watched Mm -hmm. it recently and kids loved it and it has great music and you know it's pretty funny that Um, movie hurts me like
1: i i I just feel that (laughs) pain Where yeah. it's like, I, I think There's it is. There's a lot of
2: cringing when you're watching them get hurt. Yeah. You're like, yeah, this is PG. Yeah. That was like it's just hurts. like, okay,
1: they're dead. No, yeah. now they're dead. No, they've got to be dead yeah. this time. Right. You know, and it's just, oh. And,
2: and you're almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're <laughs> almost mad at them for being so moronic.
1: It's so you're true. <laughs> idiotic, but that's what's fun about well, it, right? Now, um, we
0: mentioned, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, we, we mentioned stop motion animation earlier on, but we didn't, nobody said anything about uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, which is hmm. just a, a fantastic I mean, I, I, I still, yeah. you know, you're kind of divided. Like, is that a Halloween movie or is that a Christmas movie? But uh, I remember ending was, the d- debate. One, yeah. If you
1: look at like when it was released. Oh, it came it out. It came Halloween. out around October. Yeah. So yeah. no, technically I, Halloween
0: movie. I specifically, I, I have very clear memories of going to see this opening weekend with my dad and my sister up at the Villa Theater off of Highland Drive in Salt Lake. It is now a rug store. Um, <laughs> we, we went opening weekend. With the entire goth population of Salt Lake City, we were, <laughs> of course we were waiting outside in line, in you know in the in the lobby, and and we were like the only people there who were not dressed like head to toe in black, and just it was, like wow. the Tim Burton fans were out in droves for that movie, like the you know the the genesis of Hot Topic. <laughs>
3: happened that night
0: <laughs> they should have just thrown yeah, a convention at the same
1: time just might as well
3: yeah. no
1: um that's actually funny that you say that because now i'm thinking actually another curveball uh that i'd pick is probably edward scissorhands because yeah because oh, totally yeah. it, it's because totally. I, 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 yeah, love Tim Burton, and that one is definitely one of my, my top picks of That's all time. That's a good point. But just like um, watching yeah. Elf again, like every time when he's cutting up those snowflakes uh-huh. and the paper's like going everywhere, it just reminds me of that scene where he's like oh. in the snow, right? <laughs> yeah. And oh, I just, I love that trait right. so much.
0: Well, do you, do you guys remember the Seinfeld episode where there's like a running gag where they're watching Edward Scissorhands on the television? And you can't see the television, it's, it's in the background. But the only thing that says that, that, that gives away that it's Edward Scissorhands is that there's this constant snip, 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 bit, <laughs> you know,
3: yeah. and so
0: it says, I can't even remember what the regular, the actual episode was about, but I, but I remember that, it, you know, cause I almost want to say that it was, it might've been about when Jerry changes his barber and doesn't, doesn't tell his mm. previous barber or something like that. Cause I think there was some kind of connection to, to Edward Scissorhands, but yeah, no, that's oh. Just that's to bring funny. Seinfeld back into it, which is always a good idea.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I do, and then I guess the other one I would throw out there is well, two more. One is the Charlie Brown Christmas, yeah, sure, oh movie, yeah, which is, right, right. which is a classic. And then another one I didn't see until uh, I I I was an adult. I, I was in a singles ward, and we all went over to a bishopric members' house, and we watched White Christmas. And I didn't have high oh, expectations of it. I actually didn't care, really care to see it. And I was I was quite surprised it was it was it was quite a bit better than i thought and so we've we've kind of started watching that you know almost as a yearly at least every other year kind of tradition and uh we've already watched it this year and yeah i i like that one quite a bit it's it's nice it's kind of a nice warm comfy movie you know
3: there we
0: go maybe maybe that's a better one to end off on.
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah rather than krampus
0: (laughs) instead (laughs) of krampus we should have started with the curveballs. Nice. Just to, just to <laughs> <play. laughs> All, right. All right, everybody. Well, well done. We think we covered some excellent ground. And uh, does anybody have any final thoughts before we sign off? We, mm. well, apparently we have at least one new article on the website that people can go check out, a review yep. of West Side Story. That's and uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll write something up for Spider-Man. We'll see.
1: Well, this was fun. Thank you so much. Thank this you,
0: guys. Fun. Yeah. Yes, yeah, this thank was, you. was a blast. loved it great well thank you everybody for listening this has been our special christmas episode we hope you got some good recommendations or at least got some fond memories churned up of movies that you already know and love uh come check us out see what we're posting on utah.film and have yourself a great holiday season we'll talk to you soon Mm -hmm.